Aye, so usually I put a wee sort of story at the start of this bit, but I've got a charity event I need to promote tonight. So um, if we could all just get along to the grill in the park, <laughs> people, uh, <laughs> at five just... o'clock after you listen to this, I can guarantee this episode will be out before then. Um, so the two listeners who I've got by now, just get yourself across to the grill in the park. That'd be absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. Okay, we'll see you there. Uh, because both of you are coming. Uh, I'm joined this week, obviously, always by Jack Higgins. And uh, back, uh, the first lady of First Time Films, <laughs> uh, AJ, has returned. Uh, both of you are coming tomorrow, aren't you? Yeah. Yep. Fantastic. Well, that is two guests. Um, that's phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> I, I, can't, I see this as an absolute win already. Um, so uh, that's um, that's what I'm doing tomorrow night. I'm absolutely stressed out my nut. Do you know, because it's through the football show, like McCann was like, can we get some banner or something like that? And I promised them like three weeks ago, oh, I'll get you a banner, don't worry. <laughs> like, a banner's fine. I can get a nice Bruce banner in there. Like, <laughs> sound. Um, and I've forgotten about the banner. <laughs> I was like, what did he want the banner to see? Uh, full-time football's FIFA tournament or something like that. You know what I mean? Well, because he's all about, he's all about that brand. Well, surely you know I can just mean? go and get some bunting or something. That I thought <laughs> Aldi or something. Yeah. I don't have bunting. Just, just, we have. Aldi <laughs> will open the morning. Just do a gallon of Stacey and just get a big piece of paper and write it on it. <laughs> <laughs> can we not just like, make our own banners and that? Well, this is what I was getting at because, as you know, Jack, I have spray paint in my room. <laughs> That's uh, you've got all the equipment. <laughs> just spray paint like, on the wall. Not even a piece of paper, just on the wall. It was on the wall. Like, it, it was... I just spray paint it like my full room with song lyrics and um, whether it looks Have you went good, over it yet? Because it is a bit of a farce at the moment I'm not going to lie It looks kind of like a serial killer lives there which I, I don't mind uh, that vibe See if your handwriting was really neat in that then fair enough but your handwriting's absolutely atrocious I, I mean I'm the one to talk but seriously yeah, I'm actually going to put a picture out <laughs> on social media just so everyone can see what doing yeah, up. a farce you know, A thumbs up farce. Thumbs up, thumbs down uh, on David's bedroom. I think bedroom. it could be alright, but I feel like you should have probably got like, your sister to do it, who'd probably get better handwriting than that. <laughs> I just went a bit crazy, I think, when the fumes of the paint started going, because I just had a wee bit of thirst, and then I just like went mental on the paint. And I was like, <laughs> sitting there delirious in your room like that. Yeah, sitting there rocking back and forth. Like, what, else, what else can I write? What else can I write? <laughs> just spray paint my forehead, like, ah, right, anyway. Hey, <laughs> Blade Runner. <laughs> So uh, we're doing another double episode, and it's interesting because we did Kill Bills last week, two movies that came out very close back to back to each other, and we're doing two movies that couldn't have been further apart uh, from each other this week. I know. <laughs> Blade, Runner, Blade Runner released in 1982, um, and we've got Blade Runner 2049 uh, that was released, I believe it was, I'm actually trying to look this up now, uh, was it 2017? That seems like an awful long time ago from when I seen that movie. feels like a long time ago, but it felt like, it feels like I waited so long for it as well, like could just be a mm. flash in the past. Are we, uh, <laughs> are we breaking the first time rules right now? Am I just? What do you mean? Have we all seen this? This wasn't a first time watching it. It was your first time watching Blade Runner, wasn't it? Twenty forty nine, yeah. But... Cool. Then it's okay. <laughs> and I caught eyes. <laughs> it just got in under the light. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, AJ, I'm going to come to you first because the reason I, I needed you on this show yeah. uh, this week, Blade Runner is your favourite movie of all time, am I right in saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It is. No worries. I've got it, Just talk, I've got it tattooed on my arm, so... Right, turn and face the camera and speak clearly into the mic and say it is your favourite film <laughs> ever. Well, it is, it is, ever. Well, it is my favourite film ever. 
but now it's mm-hmm. sort of tying for top. It was until about last year. Now it's tying for top with Call Me By Your Name. Wow. Jeez, oh, I know you loved that movie when it came out, but yeah. I didn't know it was Blade Runner status. Well, but Blade Runner will forever be my notorious favourite film of all time. But right now, mm-hmm. emotional-wise, it's tying with Call Me By Your Name. Nice. I'm doing, awesome. Yeah, I'm doing my dissertation on Blade Runner, so if I like it at the end, it'll probably remain my favourite for the rest of my life. Fantastic. What What is it you're doing? Like, What specific area of Blade Runner are you tackling? Well, I'm, at, the well, I'm doing Orientalism and um, sci-fi and cyberpunk and Blade Runner is my nice. main case study, along with Fan- yeah, some other films. Like the oh, that's a gritty topic. Yeah. That's like fantastic. It. I love that. Well, AJ, Brilliant, yeah. I want to get I want to obviously dive into this first. Um, the first time you watched Blade Runner, can you tell me when it was and what was it that made you fall in love with the movie? Like right off the bat. Well, I, I didn't actually fall in love with it right off the bat. This is why I oh, love nice. this film. So the first time I ever watched it, I was so opposed to it. Like I mm-hmm. like the, I loved sci-fi. It was in um like S six. So nice. I was sixteen, about twenty seventeen, and I was taking media. I, I was practicing higher media, um, and I had this teacher, and he was like, "You're gonna love this. You're gonna love this." And I was like, "No, I'm not." Like, and then I like read the back of it, and I was like, "This sounds." like terrible like that like dystopia view and like the, the like the things i'd seen about it online like i thought it was like for guys because the only the only like experience i had in blade runner before was a gamer on youtube who went to my school who was called blade runner and i was like this is, this is like a disgusting men's film like i don't want to watch it like all that sort of all that. it's a gamer film yeah. so it's right up to all, the, all, the, ra- all the region feminism inside me was like that's terrible Harrison Ford is like the most manly man in the planet (laughs) and I was like I'm going to hate it I don't want to watch it I don't want to watch it and then my teacher was like who was their pally with he was like no no watch it watch it you'll like it and I was like okay and then the first time we watched it I still left the class and like I hate it it's just like a boring sci-fi film and then we then because like we were writing our essays on it we we watched it like three four five times and by the fifth time it was like something clicked and I finally got it and I was like oh my god this film actually is like it, it's so much more than what it is the first time you watch it if you keep on yeah. watching because there's loads of little bits of it that like sort of click in your head and you realize that it's about like humanity and race and all that and it's so much more than just what it is on the surface which is like an action sci-fi film with people trying to kill each other um, I f- yeah it's evolved from that though because like what interests me about it was finances make the world go round as we know with cinema yeah. And when it first came out, we did have like the sort of cut that Ridley Scott wanted to show. Yeah. But they recut it, didn't they, to try and make it more of a sort of audience-friendly movie? Seven times. There's seven versions of it. So obviously, once we did, like, once we watched it, we then read about the background of that and, like, the whole fact that, like, it was originally released and people didn't like the fact it was, like, a dystopian future where it was, like, an, like a like a not a joyous future people were like oh we've just seen star wars and it's this great exciting future where there's <laughs> fighting but everything's shiny and nice but yeah. in this one it's like almost like real life like the planet is dying people have moved away like robots have taken over and it was like too it was too much reality for people to face so that's why it did so badly and then it wasn't until it was released on vhs um that it became popular it became like this cult film um, and I think that's yeah. what I like about it because it's like it's such a realist film and it has all these like um, little things and like that you don't notice the first time you watch it that when on the surface if you were to just watch it once you'd probably think mm-hmm. it was terrible like I did but because I had to watch it so many times I, I like appreciate it a lot more and that's why it's my favourite film 
Nice. I like, I like that you mentioned the word realist there because that's always something, when that word comes up, I think, Jack Higgins, what does he think of the realistic take in this movie? <laughs> like, even, even in your fantasy and sci-fi, he's always picking at the rules. He's like, this doesn't quite fit in. Jack, does that, how does this sit in the Higgins scale? Is it a 10? Is it a, a zero? Where, where are we sitting here? Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know if it really sits on a scale. It's good, though. I like it. Um, it doesn't stray too far away from its own idea. I, I don't know what passes. I'll give it pass marks. Yeah. But it's interesting <laughs> what you say, Alana, uh, about like having to watch it over and over again. It's kind of what we were talking about with No Country for Old Men as well. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's a very much a film lover's film yeah. or a film, uh, film and media kind of person's film. Uh, if I want to watch a film and enjoy it, then... Uh, sorry, that I wanted to watch it the first time and enjoy it rather than have to kind of grasp it over multiple yeah. watches. Mm-hmm. Um, although I don't know, if, for me it was the opposite. I actually quite liked it the first time I watched I it. I think that's because so it, it functions. Doesn't really apply, but it functions quite simply, though, doesn't it? Because mm. like in a bare bones, it is just like this detective story. You know what I mean? It's like an yeah. episode of Criminal yeah. Minds. It's bare structure. Yeah, exactly. it's, bare, you know I mean? it's bare bones. It is just like a detective action that's got like sort of film noir elements, and it's like sort of dirty, exciting, etc., etc. Whereas, like, I think once you dive more deeper into it by watching it, you realise that there are layers where it's like, like it's about humanity, and it's it's really oh, there's huge, huge themes yeah. about humanity and and like the battle between obviously. Yeah. Again, it's mirroring like real life, just with slaves and things yeah. like that. Even um, world qualities. If AI, yeah. if AI becomes too powerful, it's just that again. It's similar, similar themes we were speaking about in the Matrix um, yeah, show as well. It, it definitely uh, you, you rack your brain when you're watching it. I think that was the biggest thing for me watching Twenty Forty Nine. Um, was I wasn't expecting it to be as. Um, hard to follow at points. Yeah. Like, I was kind of expecting it to be like the original, where it was fairly easy. Even though you weren't 100% sure who this person was or what they were doing, it was just like, you were able to follow yeah. it. Um, 2049, I thought, you certainly had to think a lot more uh, mm-hmm. and keep yourself on your toes on the edge of the seat. Yeah, and it's interesting because, like, we talked about with No Country, like, what I liked with No Country and what I do like about Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 is that it does force the audience to engage with the film in a sort of deeper way than, oh, it's just taking you along from the ride. It's like the difference between I'm going to get in a car and I'm actually going to physically run somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, this is asking you mm-hmm. to run along with it rather than just sit in the back seat. Um, AJ, uh-huh. I'm going to ask you the question. We're just going to debate it. We're just going to get out of the way. Is Rick Deckard a replicant? Oh, I don't know, because I don't like the... I hate him. I don't like Deckard as a character. I think he's <laughs> and I hate him, and Roy Batty's my favourite person. Um, so, I, like, I don't want him to be a replicant, because I want him to be a disgusting, evil human who <laughs> die at the end of the film. But on the other hand, like, Ridley Scott deliberately has placed, like, Easter eggs to, to, for us to think that he's a replicant. So I don't mm-hmm. know, like, even if Ridley Scott what like, well, Ridley Scott, I think, has possibly somewhere said he's a replicant. I read that. He's, he's came out and said, basically, if you don't know he's a replicant by the end of it, yeah. then you're not watching the movie, right? Um, is what I read him saying today. Yeah. Well, but Harrison Ford uh-huh. completely disagrees. So uh-huh. I, I would like, I. Oh, I don't know. I agree to disagree. I don't want him to be a replicant because I don't like Deckard as a character. But mm-hmm. what I do like, like I love to hate him. Like he's, I think he's a very well built character, but I just don't like him. Um, yeah. 
so I would like him to stay away from the replicants and all their purity in my mind. But yeah, uh, like, that's the thing though with Deckard because I would hit back a wee bit. The thing that I do like about his character being well built is because you get the sense that he is also oppressed by the same people who are oppressing the replicants in a sense it's not the same sort of thing because he's not in the same sort of level of slavery yeah um, and of course he's on earth and he's doing the job that is essentially killing if he has a replicant his own kind but even at the start when he's recruited he's getting these ambiguous threats um from the guys who are recruiting him gaff constantly doesn't like him for some reason throughout it there's a sense that he's not completely free in this yeah, movie i think he lacks a lot of agency um, mm-hmm. that that you would think he would have like if he was a human do you know what I mean like that's one of the things where it's because obviously he's being controlled by other people but is he being controlled by other people because he's one of the last humans who does this job and like he like he like because basically if he doesn't do the job right they can easily kill him or get rid of him like there's loads of robots <laughs> to replace him or is he a replicant we don't know yeah exactly I'm of the opinion he's a replicant nice I think uh, he was placed in as another model, basically, and he sparked this whole chain of events, like the guy said, uh, the, the creator, what's his name, Wallace. Um, I think he placed him into the world so that he would play a part in this game and give offspring mm. so that they can replicate. And it's kind of, he's backfired when he realised that it would make them more powerful or make them more special or whatever. That's the thing, isn't um, it? Because this is where we're getting into that. And it's all about nights. memories. It's all about memories and dreams, yeah. I think. Yeah. The fact that this offspring from the from the replicants is so powerful and, and all her memories matter, I think that was a calamity for Wallace. He didn't mean to make it like this. Mm-hmm. But I think, um, well, yeah, by accident he has created it. And that's the thing, like 2049, we'll get into the 2049 a wee bit just now because when you look at the two stories in total and we look at just where it's come in the chain of events of De- uh, Deckard meeting Rachel and then fathering this child and what that leads to in the events of 2049, essentially Deckard becomes as important to the revolution as the people who he's hunting down in this movie. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even Or even more important. And one of those people he is hunting down um, AJ, you've referenced already is Roy Batty. Yeah. Um, who is that? Your favorite character in this movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I wanted to say, um, is it? I want to make sure I'm saying his name right. Is it Rutger Hauer? Rutger Hauer, I think. Rutger Hauer um, died this week, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so I want to dedicate part of this episode to him. It's a fantastic performance, um, yeah, especially it's so like it's so emotional. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, it's that it's that speech at the end he gives the, oh, the infamous. Like, Hi, that's why. Yeah, I've got tatted on my arm. I've got light tears and rain tatted on my arm. And that's do you know what's so beautiful about that line to me? Like because we talked this. I actually think that he should have been in our top ten villains list in hindsight, Jack. Because one of the things we talked about with a villain is that you should be able to understand them and emphasize empathize with them in a way. Yeah, definitely. And the fact that all Roy Batty and that group are looking for is the chance to live longer. Yes. you know what I mean? Yeah, that's like, ugh, I love this film so much. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, like Tears in the Rain is basically the human, that's like the human tragedy, you know what I mean? It's yeah. that it's hard for any of us to make a, a significant mark in this earth, in a sense we're all like Tears in the Rain, yeah. you know what I mean? But because he's only got this such <laughs> limited lifespan of like 
four years. You know what I mean? Like it's like he's constantly clinging for more time, and I think it's such it's a beautiful character, and it's a yeah. really nice portrayal of it. Um, Jack, I'll come to you. Would you? What did you make of the villains in this movie, and did you like the performances and stuff like that? Well, Roy Batty looks at Ric Flair. Woo! <laughs> and Ric Flair gets my blood up. <laughs> Getting on. Someone, uh, no, someone got, I need to tell a story right. quickly. Someone came into TGI's in a Ric Flair t-shirt the other day when I was like a really stressed out hyper mood. And I just seen him and I looked at him and I just went, woo, right in the middle of the restaurant. And he did the same thing back. And I was like, oh, high fived him and walked away. It was amazing. All <laughs> Like, so carry on, Roy Batty. He's incredible. (laughs) Incredible. Yeah. I know. I I think I like the villains. Well, I suppose there isn't really. I don't know. There is villains, I suppose, in the second one. But yeah, uh, uh, the main villains in in the first one Mm -hmm. just um, play the parts well, I think. Mm hmm. What's the other one? Priest? I'm just looking, trying to re- look up the names. Yeah. I can't remember the first yeah, one. Yeah, I think Priest, uh, Priest is the other one, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think and sh- they work well. Iconic villains, similar to like the villains in The Matrix and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Just with the black leather, the kind of cool costumes and yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and it's Daryl Hannah, who we visited a couple of weeks ago with the Kill Bill show you were. You like her? Do you like her in this movie, AJ? Yeah, yeah I think her character is like really like, it's very of the sort of, well, it sort of starts off sort of black widowish like she sort of lures people in to use them but then it all just turns on her and it's such a shame because again she just wants mm-hmm. to live and she just wants the best for her and her brother and it, just all, goes, mm-hmm. it all goes badly for them yeah and d- did you like her better in this movie Jack than you liked her in Kill Bill you weren't much of a fan of her in that movie nah she probably liked her better in this I feel like the, the makeup and the costume for her, like kind of hides her because what I don't like about her in uh, Kill Bill is just that she looks like a real housewife or something. Like, uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it kind of just puts me off her. I'm like, you don't look like you should be in this movie. You look like you should be in Real Housewives or Orange County. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the big blown up lips and that. That's what she looks I like. I get it. I, like, it's completely different to. I, I get I Completely get different to a sci fi, like, with like the kind of black paint across her eyes and stuff like a completely different guy. Aye, I like it. So I'm kind of put off by her appearance in Kill Bill. But I, again, that. Like I said in, uh, in the Hellboy episode, I think that just adds to the appearance. The fact that I don't like her isn't actually necessarily a bad thing. I suppose mm-hmm. you're not you're not meant to like her as a villain. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I liked like I enjoyed her performance in this movie, um, especially when they're talking to who is the guy? He's like a, he, he's the engineer who used to work for Tyrell, um, who they sort of don't not kidnap, but she's living with him. And then Roy comes along, and it's a sort of semi hostage situation they have over him. I can't remember his name. Um, Same either, but like he's basically lured in under the pretense that they're going to be together. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, like, they're just trying to live, make me yeah. what's it called make me end. Yeah, exactly. They're just they're just trying to live, man. Um, that's like that's <laughs> just trying to live. Uh, yeah. That's the same as all of us, you know. Just gripping on for dear life. Um, and what I like about a sequel, right? A sequel, I think, should add to. Um, it should be a good developing the story, but it should also make the themes of the first movie even more prominent. And I think that's what Blade Runner 2049 yeah. does extremely well. Um, yeah, I think it completely picked up on like the fact that people liked the sort of nuance and the smaller, more meaningful parts of the first one. And they've just took that and completely like um, in the second film, 
just made it all about like the sort of you don't know what's going on you have to figure it out yourself like like you were saying earlier like where you have to run along with it like they've took those parts that people really liked and sort of made it so confusing that you have to put all the parts together um, mm-hmm. and I think they've used like the small more meaningful moments of the first film and just expanded them to make the second film just a bit of a head fuck mm-hmm. yeah I thought it was a wee bit unnecessary at times like I feel like they're, they're deliberately leading you to believe something uh, whilst it's not like the way I would always speak about Nolan, kind of hiding it in plain sight, and uh, if anything, they're doing the opposite. They're like just showing you too much mm-hmm. for me at times, uh, and then not giving proper clarification about if there's if there's a twist or whatever. They don't really give a proper explanation for me at times. Mm-hmm. I felt like you could have just left that um, kind of open ended, and I suppose they do right at the end, but. There's times where they just showed a bit too much. I think it was interesting. I was watching a video earlier actually on this because I love this movie when I first saw it and I've probably watched it four times now since it came out in 2017. And there's this video by a guy on YouTube called Shane Bertram and it's called Why You Love a Hero Who Doesn't Matter and it's talking about Joe. And essentially what he's saying is like, it's revealed that Joe actually does not fucking matter at all, <laughs> like in the context of this overall story. Um, but that's what he's saying is brilliant about it, is that he wasn't a remarkable man and he didn't actually fit into this story. He only stumbled across it by circumstance of his job. He was a completely unremarkable replicant. But he, it was the decisions that he made. He chose to do the right thing and he chose to do something. And his argument in that video was that it, that's more... Um, that would have been that's so much better than if it was actually the child of uh Rachel and Deckard who was the hero in the second one because it's a sort of like brings it back to that level. And I thought that was a really interesting take in it because Jack, I kind of might have agreed with you at first. I get I got quite completely frustrated actually uh watching it a wee bit the first time. I was like, right, so is Joe like, like so can someone just please explain to me like is Joe? The it was child just or... it was just a way that they, they never ever gave clarification like they before they had any done any tests or anything, they were like, right, uh, this was definitely a mother. She'd had a C-section or this, like, before they'd even done a proper mm-hmm. biopsy written. And then he, ro- he like, walks over as soon as the wee guy who's obviously, like, the forensics guy mm-hmm. leaves the table. And Officer K walks right up and starts zooming in. Like, why was he not doing that? That's his profession. Yeah. He's walked up. He's zoomed in, like, not even anywhere near as much as um, Joel obviously goes up to do. And you're like, well, why would he not do that? And <laughs> this is one of the wee things and then, in movies. And then all of a sudden, it, the ball drops and that, is her name Madam or Madame or whatever? Uh, um, Joshy, are you talking about his boss, eh? Uh, boss, is just called her Madam or something, does he know? I think so, aye. Her name's Lieutenant Joshy, Robin Wright. Okay. Movie, aye. Right, well, she, aye, she, you know, the next scene is just her, like, she was pregnant and she, she had a C-section and just, like, stating all these facts. And I was like, no, like, can we not just... Like filter it first and find out if it's actually true. You can't just take that and then obviously, yeah. As I know, that's what I mean by it. this was frustrating about it is that it's like showing you, but and telling you this is right when deep down you know there's obviously no going to be. Yeah, right. that well, sense. that's the thing. Also, about like the most jarring difference I think between the two movies is the pacing, because Blade Runner is like a great movie but a very slow one. Like you look actually at the mm. Wikipedia page of the plot. And it's like, it's barely anything. Like, it's just like, he goes here. And then he finds them, and then they're dead. And that's basically the plot of Blade Runner, you know what I mean? Blade Runner 2049, it's like a, it's like reading a fucking novel, trying to like work out uh, the twist right. in terms of this one. Um, AJ, I wanted to come to you, uh, just for a c- comparison the main characters here. 
big, not of such of a fan of Deckard as a person, but what did you make of Joe um, in Blade Runner 2049? Well, who's the actor that plays there? What's his name? I always get the mixed up. It's uh, Ryan Gosling. Well, I don't usually like him, but I thought he was good in this film, just because he's got a very interesting face where Mm -hmm. he um, makes facial expressions that I just make me think, what is he thinking? The, the smell the fart acting he's just like <laughs> I think that works really well for this character um, but comparing the two I think well obviously I don't I, didn't, I, I don't like Deckard um, but I, uh, Harrison Ford in, in this film was more tolerable but I did I do I do like his character yeah and the thing about like about Joe and it was the interesting his coat I just couldn't stop thinking I want that jacket <laughs> I want it <laughs> I need that. Nice, you should buy it. Like, I think you should just go for it. Would I get me one of these fucking just, jackets? Just Google it, like, 2049 merchandise or something like that. Man. <laughs> You'll find one on Etsy, some, some new person just makes them. For, yeah. for people like you that want that jacket. See when I'm See when I'm at the beginning of this movie, right? Can I just say that I've never been so excited than w- watching the beginning of this like beautiful blockbuster art house film Blade Runner 2049 and to see Dave Batista show up at the beginning <laughs> I have never marked out more in my life <laughs> I was like that is incredible and he's actually do you know what I know he's only in it for like what is a matter of minutes before he dies right he's really good in this movie can we just say that it's yeah, just really good <laughs> the wee specs brilliant honestly oh. the tiny wee specs must have just went right like, he's the biggest man in the world we need to just get him like the tiniest specs <laughs> <laughs> and we'll just get him <laughs> slowly open the legs and then just slide him on his face. Oh, so classy. He's big baldy head. And he's like He looks like a turtle, he's got a, he's got zero neck, he just like kinda like, he's just got a big shelf. Right, you were doing so well until you started to slag Batista. And then I was like, that is not the way this was meant to go. <laughs> <laughs> well it's playful banter, oh, me and Batista go way Batista back. Go way back. <laughs> um so it turns out, I like you said at the start of the movie, they find there's like um, this uh, remains of basically Rachel's uh, dead, <laughs> dead remains <laughs> at the start of the movie. Um, it is which, yeah, which is a bit dark um, when you actually think about it. Oh, here's one of your heroines uh, from the previous installment, and here she's dead. Like, she's dead, and she's in a box. She is dying. <laughs> like, fantastic. All right, um, and we talked about. Uh, the villains and comparing to Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 I'm not going to lie um, I actually was not a huge fan um, of uh, Jared Leto in this movie as well as me either it feels um, like he's in a different movie it's, to everyone else I feel like it's forced Like I feel like he decided that he wants to be a different character to what was written and just ran with it mm-hmm. um, and yeah. I feel like contrast a bit like, I, I feel like he's not in the blade on a world he's just a villain from something mm-hmm. else just in this film and it does it does work in the long run um but so i just don't like his characterization at all ah, it felt like he thought he was doing like a superhero movie yeah he was like a doctor strange villain was what it felt like to me you know what i mean Aye. um and the on the flip side i genuinely believe that love is one of the best villains i've seen in history and she has such little dialogue um but i think uh, sylvia hawks does so well with so so little you know what i mean the script doesn't give her a lot to do but her character motivation is clearly she just wants to impress her maker you know what i mean so effectively mm-hmm. she is like 
a militant Christian. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what's mental? I, I was like convinced at a point that she was uh, going to be the, the daughter. <gasps> oh, like convinced, like absolutely convinced. And I was, and then I was kind of like, what? I'm actually disappointed. It's no. I could have called. It was the mad memory lassie. Ago. I could have said that ages ago, but I was intrigued that it was going to be the baddie. I was like, because I didn't like her. You, you know, well, I didn't not like her. Liked her as a villain, but didn't like her as a person, obviously, yeah. or as a replicant. Is that? Um, you know what's great? It's probably so when that was thing. dangled in front of me as like maybe a plot point, and she was she's just obviously well, what it seemed like maybe killed Ryan Gosling, Aye. bounced up, and then was going to kill the dad, and then she was like, I don't know for whatever reason, but there could have been some sort of hidden agenda there. It would have been really close. Anyway, get me right in these. Do you know what I love? Blade Runner 3, you're on it. <laughs> Blade Runner 2051 or something like that, three years later. She's back. Jack Higgins has signed up to direct November 2049, Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the scene with her and Robin Wright in the police station where uh, she ends up killing uh, Robin Wright's character. Uh, it's uh, it's yeah, just it's a good. really good scene. You know what I mean? It's just like, See, when you watch a scene and it's like, these are two good actors. And this is a good scene. You know, that's just what I was thinking. Like, these two are going I was it. thinking that with the, uh, you know, when they're doing the testing on uh, Joe. Aye. And they like getting them to repeat all those things. Like, I thought that was really intense. I was... Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the thing um, is, like, it's... I'm certainly Because the, the difference is, and I was actually looking at some of the differences in the world or how the world's evolved uh, between the two movies. And yeah, the, the replicant test in the first film is more like, um, oh, if there's a wasp in your arm, what are you going to do? Uh, and the, t- the test they do in Joe in this movie, it's like different. They've changed it because they know uh, they're trying to get more emotionally evolved uh, replicants. So it's like, um, uh, do you feel an emptiness inside? Do you feel trapped and stuff like that? That's the type of things it's asking. Uh, exactly. uh, do you know what's fucking brilliant? Like, I, I've been I keep meaning to bring this up. Um, there's this game called Detroit Become Human, and it's it must have been loosely based off of this or mm-hmm. whoever the, the writer is for that is been influenced. somewhat copyrighted a bit of this idea yeah definitely influenced anyway but it is it's the same exact story what well actually what 2049 sort of sets up with this potential revolution mm-hmm. uh, with these robots or these re- replicants because they're actually called something like that they're called androids or something like that I think in the game yeah and the, basically this game is a um it's a story mode game, so there's no free roam or anything, but you need to just continuously make choices or like find out more information so that it influences the game. But there's something ridiculous like, I don't know, 48 different alternative endings and alternative scenes and stuff that you can carry out. So every time you play it, it's completely different. Nice. Um, because of based on the choices you make. Um, but it is, it's a really similar idea in the sense that there's, there were these androids that were originally uh, manufactured as slaves or like as like nannies for kids and things like that and then they've just start to start to become rogue um mm-hmm. which is called something i can't remember what it's called now nice um but they become rogue and it's the same sort of idea like they're they're, they're becoming more human and in, in nature and so they're hanging on for life or hanging on for that little shred of power or mm-hmm. do you know what i mean i like that um, and feeling it and feeling in control and it's good because as i said 2049 for me at the end was set up it didn't seem like it was an ending because um there was this Hope. Potential revolution, as I yeah, said. Yeah, this could... hope for a revolution that they they would give up, they would get given a chance, or someone would come along, like this woman with the memory powers and shit. Mm-hmm. And she would take them to, right. to glory. Well, see, that I was reading that, um, in that same video I was watching earlier on. There was that they were talking about the Jesus imagery surrounding her character, how she has mm-hmm. this sort of God who gifts them memories, who gifts them like life or this fire in a way. 
You know what I mean? And I think that's like that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to touch on uh, what you were talking about there, Jack, a bit more um, about the sort of replicants and the nature of the replicants. And I think I wanted to leave it to now because we need to talk about it in the context of the two movies, I believe. Uh, so, AJ, I'm going to come to you first today. We've seen they're treated oh, as disposable, uh, like sort of machines and stuff like that. A four-year lifespan in the first one. And they're given these physical bodies and they're meant to re- like sort of represent humans and imitate humans. And through that way, they're sort of seen as lesser. We then see the character um, of Joy in Blade Runner 2049 who takes this a step further because she's an artificial intelligence machine and basically is the same as the replicants, but the only thing she doesn't have is a physical body. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So where do what do you think they were trying to say with that debate or introducing that character? Because for me, she is the most interesting character in Blade Runner 2049 and the sort of comparison between the AI and the replicants and how they're seen and sort of treated mm-hmm. in the movies is really interesting to me. Well, I think because like the replicants are like a physical manifestation of like like the future and like robotics or whatever, and like that they could physically take over. I think they propose more of like a visceral, real life threat to the humans, and I think that's why they're seen in a different way. Whereas Joy like provides more a sort of like ominous and sort of all surrounding godly type wisdom type like. Yeah, version of like the future, and it's more like they look up to like at like I see it as more like she seems a bit more positive and like in control, whereas the replicants feel a bit sort of lost and reckless because they have their own bodies and they've got like they feel like they've got something to protect, like they're a single entity, whereas like a part of something like a part of something like a bigger picture. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, am I right in saying that the the joy? You know, software thing is that like is the is the actual projection? Uh, like, are they able to build memories with the person who owns them? Yes. Or is it just more? They or are. Is it just a. They are. They're able to build memories with the person who owns them. So every one of them is sort of individual, but they're based like their sort of base level is all so the like, same. He could have had her from literally ten minutes before the movie started. But would she have like still said the same sort of things to him? That's like, the... would she have still been nice to him? Well, that's the question, isn't it? You know what I mean? That I think. Or 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 did they? Did he have to like actually fall in love with her and pro and like you know build up this love relationship with her? I think. Or does she just answer to like his call? Like, I think and just tell impl- him what he wants to hear. The implication is that the software is meant to give that sort of empty, shallow feeling of love. Yeah. I was going to say yeah because think, he's, uh... he does he does say it at the start, doesn't he? Like, you don't need to say that. Yeah, but, then, but then you do get a real emotion from her like, later on in the movie. So I was like, I, I don't know if there is a. I think the implication. I think that's the question, and I think that's actually left ambiguous. The answer. Yeah, it's I also think the that, answer that, that they, they actually do build a relationship just a yeah. long time. And and I think what's beautiful is that it's one of the most emotional points of the movie for me. Um, is when uh, love destroys joy, um, in front of Joe, mm-hmm. um, and I, you really do get that hit. And I'm thinking to myself, this is an AI projection. We've been told that these things are manufactured en masse. You know what I mean? In the movie, we have all those facts, but when, the, she, when, she, destroys, when she destroys it, like, I just felt such a pang. And I was like, that's such a powerful moment. And it's really interesting um, the way, because we're meant to care about the replicants, but should we be caring about AI in this world in the same yeah. way? And I think that's it's a really interesting question. Yeah, yeah, I think it's because almost like, see, because like the AI, like, 
draw like is like connected whereas like the replicants are like individual and they're trying to like save themselves almost in a way whereas like Mm -hmm. she's connected so it's almost like this sounds weird but it's almost like losing your phone like that kind of thing like it's always with you like that sort of it's something you rely on you'll have backup data yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) but it's like that sort of thing where it's like destroying something that's attached as it, like, that why we like put more importance in it because it's attached. Whereas the the replicants individual entities. Mm-hmm. I think well, that's the I think that's the thing though. It's like because you were saying there, Jack, they built up a relationship, and he could get another model. Um, but the relationship and the memories they built with that first model, they're uh, they're lost like tears in the rain. <laughs> um, one would almost say, Excuse you know me. what I mean? Yep. So. Uh, I think it's I think it's really beautiful, and like I wanted to round up like, this discussion. Obviously, we're sort of we're talking about the two movies as one story, but we can have a comparison between the two movies. And I wanted to do a comparison between the two directors of these movies more specifically because they're two, or in my opinion, two of the all-time greats. And I know, like Ridley, I think that's easy to say, but Denis Villeneuve, very young filmmaker, uh, still making stuff, still very active. Um, but I'm going to come, oh, Jack, I'll come to you first. Whose work are you more familiar with out of Ridley Scott and Denis Villeneuve and whose would you say you prefer? I don't really know too much about their works exterior. I'll give you, I'll I would you just out. say I'll personally. Get, <laughs> I'll get to their filmography, mate. Don't you worry about it. Uh, <laughs> we'll give you, we'll give you I would say out of the, these two movies in question, 2049 was better. Mm-hmm. Um just because it does have those plot holes and stuff, uh, it does have more meat on the bone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blade Runner's a bit empty at times, but I appreciate it from a cinem- cinematic <laughs> point of view. The cinematics, uh, you said uh, it. I, I, I went, <laughs> uh, Yeah, from the cinematics and cinematography, I think it's good, Blade Runner. Uh, nice. But it's, it's, a, it's a complex world, but using it in its simplest form, 2049 was just as complex but they brought the complexity to the story as well I think. Well I'll run through Ridley Scott's previous work, he did Alien three, three years before he released this Thelma uh, nah, Mooney's uh, Gladiator um, he did um, he also did uh, Prometheus um, Alien Covenant and All the Money in the World uh, and alongside The Martian. Oh I've seen uh, All the Money in the World actually Aye, so he did, he did, all, the money, <laughs> did all the money in the world and he did The Martian as well. Denis Villeneuve um, has done Prisoners, he's done Sicario, um, Arrival, um, and Blade Runner 2049. Um, and he's set to direct Dune, which we've covered extensively um, <laughs> on this show quite a bit, um, trying to cover the cast and stuff like that. Uh, AJ, where do you stand in the debate between Ridley and Denis? Well, I think Ridley... In, in the context of when the original Blade Runner was made, did something I think about it a bit out of the box because like Blade Runner was the first of which has now become many um, films about like replicants or like like robots like intelligence taking over. Whereas like Blade Runner was the first sort of film to do like a negative dystopian future where like the planet is dying, people are moving away, and like technology is taking over. And I think that in itself was revolutionary to to the genre but in terms of actual like like the the whole film and and like one i think ridley scott made made a lot of risks in the first film that turned out to to be okay like by the time it reached like cult status 
Whereas in mm-hmm. the newer film, I feel like that it wasn't like they made risks and it paid off. Like he deliberately did things that that he knew would work and they did work. So I feel like they, it was more intentional and it's sort of recklessness. Yeah. Whereas I feel like Ridley Scott made things that other people would have considered mistakes and they just worked out well. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the yeah. that's the thing, isn't it? Blade Runner in the long run has turned into a profitable film. Yeah. Blade Runner twenty forty nine was made for that much money that it was never going to make a profit. Yeah. Like they basically wasted two hundred million dollars and knew right, we're just going to make a great piece of art yeah. cinema. We're not necessarily going to make the money. <laughs> eventually, it'll make a profit, but as of right now, because Blade original Blade Runner didn't make a profit until like they they'd come out with four different versions of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe Denis just Denis just needs to get back in the cutting room, man. Yeah. That's uh, that's what he needs to do. So he can get this sorted yeah, out. He's um, it's over then take it back off and then change the ending three times and then we'll see. <laughs> well <laughs> he could have he, he could have made uh what was it love or low? Did you say low or love? Uh, love. Love. Yeah. Um just make her the the child, yeah, and that's one of your that's one of your cuts. Mm. Nice, nice. The Higgins cut. <laughs> the Higgins cut. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait for that. That'll be amazing. Could you do a couple of alternative endings, and that's funny. Like it, it would become like that game I was talking about, Detroit. Mm-hmm. And and the more I think about the game, I'm like, you must have just been copying this idea because you actually play as <laughs> well, you play as one of the who's basically been hired as an android like division. Of uh, like basically cops, so like intel cops, and they Aye. go and they have like all the kind of detective equipment like installed within them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're play you play as one of them, so you play three different characters throughout it. But you play as one of them, and it's this guy, and he's basically trying to hunt down all these rogue, um, all these rogue androids. Nice. And it's like I suppose it's exactly like Blade Runner, but a different, different situation, but the same idea. Nah. Um, just same idea of, of uh, human replicants well, why don't you round out this part Jack I want to ask you this question coming back to the two directors Ridley Scott's next project uh, he'll be directing a movie written and starring uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon um, that is Oof. Ridley Scott's next movie uh, Denis Villeneuve's next movie is obviously another expensive reboot of a sci-fi franchise with Dune uh, we've seen the cast coming back about that if I had to tell you, you can only see one of these movies. Which one are you seeing? Uh, Silence in the studio. Uh, it's decision. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's quite a tough choice, too. I think Ridley Scott's. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've so I've, I've I do have plans to read to do, mm-hmm. uh, and I've got the book, and I'm actually holding off reading it. Before I, sorry, I want to read it before I see this the movie that's coming out. So aye. So I you've think got because the I've because I've not actually read the book, yet, <laughs> I would probably go with Ridley Scott so that I, I could I've still got the option to read the book anyway. And... Well, listen, when you read the book, let me know, and then you can give us your opinion on that before the movie comes out. And I could maybe I mean? watch the David Lynch version as well. Actually, but... you could with Kyle McLaughlin. Uh, what an actor. Uh, Agents of Shields, uh, Kyle McLaughlin <laughs> is what I know him from, ladies and gentlemen. What a show. Shield. That's a bit <laughs> Oh, I'm telling you, Agents of Shield is ending uh, with the next season coming up. And you know what? That show it chugged along longer than it should have. You know what I mean? That was the little engine. I, I only seen like one episode of it, and I'm like, how did they even like get funding for this in the first place? 
AJ, it completely changed the show, reinvented itself more times than like uh, Gwen Stefani. Right, it was absolutely <laughs> Oh, it was amazing. It, like yeah. it, it became a futuristic dystopian sci-fi show by the end of it. They're in, a, they're in an alternative timeline right now. And it's it's amazing. Like they're playing different versions of their characters in like what if scenarios. And I'm like, this show is just like that went off the rails. It's it, listen, if you can watch Agents of Shield from beginning to end, it's going to be the most satisfying experience of your life. <laughs> and Ghost Rider shows up at a type a point as well. Like it's mad. It just goes mad, man. Um, AJ, I wanted to give you the floor for just a couple of minutes, because eh? I was interested in hearing about your topic of study coming up. So you, could you tell us, for those that might not know, what is um, Orientalism and how would it possibly be applied <laughs> to, the, uh, to Blade Runner? Give us a wee rundown in three minutes. Uh, well, Orientalism is a concept. Um, it wasn't started by Edward Said, which, but, but he wrote a big book on it. But basically, the concept is basically that the West use, like, like the West diminished the East and other countries by, like, how to explain it like by by making them like seem exotic and out there and weird or, or like um, by making them seem really different and they use that as a way to keep themselves superior so the way that we see this in Blade Runner is like I, I when when I first like watched Blade Runner I didn't understand how it had anything to do with race then on the fifth view and I was like oh my god where are the black people and you notice that <laughs> when you're watching Blade Runner because obviously the slaves are now white robots so there's no need for black people because they don't need to, them to be slaves because they've got robots now so there's no black people in Blade Runner and then obviously there's just Asian people because um, they're like considered to be like techie do you know what i mean so that's why yeah. so that's what that's all, all about so basically i'm just gonna my station is talking about um, the matrix and blade runner and a couple of other sci-fi and cyberpunk films talking about how they take asian elements and um, like culturally and aesthetically so like the whole setting of blade runner is set up and like what should like what's meant to look like tokyo or somewhere in japan and it's like how they use mm. these these um Asian ethnic elements to make their to make films look cool and exotic and different where there's as well as making their films like making the films seem like cool and interesting and arty and like almost like a video game they're also at the same time making it seem very different and exoticizing these countries and these elements to make them like seem different from setting up a binary um between like what is like western and mainstream and like asian cultures nice awesome yeah, well, I that, love that. that was um, a big ramble but anyway it's basically how well, sci-fi films you, ex- ex- like basically um culturally appropriate asian culture to make their films look cooler well you could have told into kill bill a couple of weeks ago for that one but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i did think that when i was watching it though but it's like I've, I've, i can only talk about so many films i've got such a long list but, i'm gonna talk about the matrix i'm gonna talk about ghost in the shell I'm gonna talk about nice. oh. jumper all that sort of stuff fantastic well listen there's only so many movies we can talk about but apparently there's infinite movies that marvel can make oh, don't and that's what we'll be talking about in part two <laughs> uh, in part two where we talk about the phase four announcement of the mcu everything that's happening with that i'm very excited when it contain myself man and also maybe equally as exciting we got the first trailer for zombie land double tap 
Oh my god, I cannot wait. Part two is coming up. All right, guys, just to remind you of the other uh, shows you can catch in the FT Podcast Network, you can check out Full Time Football. Um, where recently Jordan Sneddon did an interview with Cammy Bell. Uh, you can also check out the rest of that back catalogue, uh, including the full episodes of Full Time Football. Um, and Conor McCann's interview with Stuart Bannigan, and of course myself interviewing Chloe Arthur. Um, we've also got our new channel, FTTV. Um, which has risen from the ashes of FT Thrones, hosted by Jack Higgins. New episodes coming from that soon, but we've got an interview up there with Jane McCarry um, that I was lucky enough to conduct myself, so go and check that out as well. And you can also check out the old episodes of First Time Films on Spotify and iTunes also. Alright, so Jack's just finished his massive jobby. We're back for part two. We're ready to go. Are you still in the pan or are you off? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Humiliate me in front of our two fans. Oh, no. I hope they're both, both comfortable though. You say buy them a drink. Imagine two oh, random oh, people. You, you were on that fucking podcast in a jobby, weren't you? <laughs> Imagine two people who showed up tomorrow just randomly wearing like first time films t-shirts like we're your biggest fans. Just laughing, Jack, to get a job. Did I tell you the story? I was working like a couple of weeks ago, and this woman said to me, "I went to go and serve at the table," and she's like, "You make a film podcast, don't you?" In my heart, man, like you've never seen me so buzzing. I was like, "Really? <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude!" How did you know? <laughs> Apparently, uh, we interviewed Ailey Lone in the channel, and uh, she's friends with Ailey Lone's mum, so that's how she knew it. <laughs> I just wanted there to be no connection. Like I was hoping it wasn't that. I was hoping, yeah, I just found you on Spotify and I've been listening in or something like that. No, that's <laughs> so, a dream. But... I would have taken a stalker, man. I was like, oh, I found you on Facebook or something. <laughs> I said, yeah, just a friend. <laughs> that was the dream for me. I was like, here we go. Uh, anyway, guys, big news happened. So I was sitting in McCann's gaff at like four in the morning <laughs> until last Saturday night. Like Nathan had fallen asleep next to me. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I checked my Twitter and the announcement from Comic Con had hit for like the Mar- Marvel Phase 4. And I just woke him up. Like, I just shook him. I was like, Torres, Torres, wake up. They've announced the movies. It's coming. Uh, so, we're, what we're going to do here, guys, right? We're going to play a little game with this because there's a lot to get through. We're going to run through these movies in order. All right. I'm going to tell you about the films and you're going to tell me how excited you are for them. On a scale of 1 to 10, does that sound good? And then explain why. This sounds like the worst game in the world. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, Jack, it's a great game. You win a prize. I was really hoping for something no, exciting you, there. You wanna, I, we'll, we'll play a wee game. We'll, we'll play Risk right. after. All right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll play a game of Risk and Monopoly. All right, so the first movie in Phase 4 that's coming out is Black Widow. That's been released in May 1st, 2020. Scarlett Johansson. Um, and... Load of shite. Don't need that. No! <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Jim Harbour from Stranger Things is in it. Uh, he's there. So, uh, the guy from Stranger Things who plays the... I don't see that. I don't even watch that either. Oh my God, man. Don't do that. And Florence Pugh. Widow, and I'll stand by it. There, there should have been a fucking, a fucking Nightcrawler before there should have been a Black Widow. Oh, enough of your Nightcrawler movie, man. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not listening to that again. AJ, we go on to you. <laughs> I think an 8 out of 10. I'm excited for her to have her own film, even though I do think that Marvel are ripping it a bit with all of these releases, but 
I mean, if anyone's do their own film, it is her. It's already been done. Just go watch Salt. It's been done. <laughs> it's not Salt. It's not Salt. Was a good movie. I, I like Salt. Same. It wouldn't be the same. She's Man. fighting Taskmaster in this movie. Russian. She'll just be Russian and she'll get bullied and she'll become class and that's it. That's it. Maybe you should have one over. and all. Thank God. Thank God. Comes Jack a Higgins. I would have, do you know what? You could have wrote Blade Runner 2049, but I've never been happier that you're not the writer of the Black Widow movie. <laughs> Sitting there like, listen, guys, I want you just to write this. She's going to get bullied and then she's going to become a spider. Right? And you just. <laughs> I just need Jeremy Renner to show up at the end and then just wrap it up. All right? Just wrap it up after <laughs> that. Up, exactly. As soon as Jeremy Renner hits the screen, fade to black. Right? <laughs> the, film, the film ends up being 60 seconds long. Oh, wait, the, exactly. early, the early buzz I've heard from it is good and apparently Scarlett Jansen didn't. She said, I didn't want to come back after Endgame, uh, but they said they were doing this Black Widow prequel um, and uh, yeah, she was like, I'll come back for one last ride because I read the script and it was amazing. Uh, so I'm going to put my excitement level up there as well. I'd say I'm about a seven or eight for this one. Um, they've then got the first of the Disney Plus uh, TV shows coming out, all right? Because all of these releases are connected. We've got a couple of TV shows and movies, but all of them play into it. So it's an eight episode Falcon and Winter Soldier show um, where they go up against. Um, the villain, um, Baron Zemo from uh, Captain America Civil War, he is back. Um, he is back in his like comic book costume. And this will be the debut of the Falcon as Captain America, uh, taking over the mantle from Steve Rogers. AJ, come to you first in this one. Are you excited about this one? Oh, no. Where has AJ gone? <laughs> <laughs> Don't. <laughs> I'm here and I'm excited. I'm excited to see um, a new Captain America, but I'm not excited that it's a TV programme. I don't know if I like that. No, but that's what I'm actually. I I'm want to see the TV shows more. It's same. I'm writing any TV shows. It's eight. I the host of FTTV. Excited TV. about <laughs> the TV shows. He's just buzzing because he's thinking, oh, "Look at the content I've got." Ah, <laughs> like, I'm absolutely showing <laughs> the content. The season reviews that are going to be coming out for these Marvel shows, man. <laughs> Look at the, think of the views. Think of the money. That's what he's it's a shame. I bet. Fucking catch up with my MCU then. Aye, exactly, man. <laughs> you, get, you get caught up. Get cracking. Aye, uh, you know. I'm actually, like, it's eight hours. Like, AJ, think about it. Would you have preferred a two hour Falcon and Winter Soldier movie or eight hours of a Falcon Winter Soldier story? I think it's just, uh, what are they doing in eight hours? What are they doing? I, th- I hope there's a, like, you know how there's always a filler episode in these TV shows where they do something random? Yeah. I want I want them just uh, playing cards. I want Falcon and Winter Soldier playing cards for the full episode. I want them, I want them going for the weekly shop. Do they like live together? Do they just live together like in some apartment in New York yeah. and they just like fly down to the, the grocery shop? Aye, they go down for a wee uh, grocery store. The local Seven Up, Seven Eleven. Seven Up. It's them walking around the Seven Eleven. They're fighting over what kind of bread they should get. That's quality. Uh, I'm telling you, we should get a hob. No, <laughs> enough of your hobs. I don't hobs? want a hob. Aye, a hob, like the type of bread. That's no type of bread, is it? Yeah, it's like the round bit of bread. Is, what? A hob. Look at A hob? I'm not sitting here arguing about a hob. Right, a type of bread it. or a brand of bread? No, it's a type of bread. It's a type of bake. Yeah. Oh, it's like a, it's well, if, it's no tiger, if it's no tiger loaf, I'm not interested. It's like tiger loaf Keep without it. the tiger bit. Yeah, it's just a big circle of bread. Oh, right. it's like a it's like a bloomer except smaller. All oh, right, fair enough. Right. 
Catch, catch us out in first time bacon next week. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I bet you Captain America only eats fucking multi seed anyway because he's a fucking gimp. <laughs> I hate Captain America. <laughs> Cat, well, the Captain stand. America you know um, is no longer like I said, uh, the Falcon. I don't taken care. Over. It's the character I don't like. But it's a new, it's a new character. How? <laughs> I can't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you such things. <laughs> you, oh, need, you need to catch up. Right? <laughs> uh, is he still called Captain? Is 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 Chris Evans? The person still called Captain America. Yes, he will be. This is like his transition into being called Captain America. Anyway, we'll move on. Right. Anyway, <laughs> Eternals <laughs> is coming out uh, November 6, 2020. Eternals are like a group of celestial beings, essentially like godlike creatures who are meant to protect the Earth. Um, Angelina Jolie is the star <gasps> of this film. Oh. What a coup. Oh my God. Um, Scotland's Richard Madden is representing uh, in the Marvel Universe as Scotland's hero. Right? He will be in here. Richard Madden. Uh, Camille Nanjani, I'm going to adopt him as a Scot. I think he's phenomenal. Uh, Salma Hayek is also a part of this team. How, what a cast this is, man. Um, oh, Jack, the Eternals, does this float your boat? I don't know. You said about three names I didn't even know there. Richard Madden, I like. Angelina Jolie, so Salt. So Angelina Jolie, yes. I, I, but I mean, know what Angelina Jolie is. No, <laughs> no, 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 I only think Angelina Jolie. I only think I'm Maleficent. The that's like, actually sour taste in your mouth. I, no, I don't actually mind the first one. I, I said that last time. Yeah. Then I was the second one. I said that I didn't really mind the first one. <laughs> uh, I didn't see a need for a second one. Right. Anyway, no, I just, I can't, I can never unsee her as Maleficent now if she's going to be in some sort of fantasy thing or sci-fi thing. Cool. Um, other than that, she's uh, at least Clifton Ward from The Tourist, so. <laughs> <laughs> what a movie. <laughs> yes. I uh, so I can't really see her as anyone else now. Tourist gets like a bad rap, man. The Tourist gets a serious bad rap. And I, I don't know why, mate. The Tourist is brilliant. I love The Tourist, mate. But I agree with you. Quality, I find The Tourist is fantastic. Uh, AJ, what's your thoughts on The Tourist? And are you excited about The Tourist? <laughs> is all right. I, I, I've never seen The Lifting, so I only see Angelina Jolie's Tomb Raider. And that's for that, I, I think this is going to be good. AJ stuck in 2004, man. She's that's that's the producers of Tomb Raider phoning right now. She's just like someone's mentioned our movie for the first time in years. We're excited. We'll do an interview. Don't you worry. But I only know Angelina Jolie is like a spy from like Tomb Raider or from Miss. So and yeah, oh Mrs. Smith, Mrs. Smith. Now we're talking. Oh, and those films, like, she's really good. It's like action, like, excitement. I don't know. She's hot as well. <laughs> excitement. Uh, she's hot as fuck. <laughs> yes. Yes, she is. Ah, uh, she's good to look at. <laughs> from, from that, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a 10 out of 10, whether or not um, the film is actually good, just because she's a 10. <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, see what happens. Oh, Richard Madden in it. So, what more could you want? Oh, Aww. Richard Madden, he's a stud, isn't he? He is a stud, mate, but he's a bastard in Rocketman. Like, an absolute bastard. <laughs> like, he's the place... What? He's in Rocketman? He's the villain yeah. in Rocketman. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's a bastard in it, man. I hated him. I was like, oh, still, you Better than Bohemian Rhapsody, I think. Oh, I've heard that of a few people. I think that's controversial. It is, but... 
it's it just takes more chances. Selma Hayek, you should know, she was in a from Dust Till Dawn. Uh, she was also Adam Sandler's wife in Grown Ups, um, <laughs> among, oh, among other things. Uh, so, things. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, she's a very. I can just, I can just picture her when she's standing in the lodge and she goes, "That's a man's ass." <laughs> David Spade's walking away. <laughs> That's a man's ass. <laughs> David Spade is my favourite person ever. <laughs> really the fact do. that his name is Higgins in that movie just gets me right. Higgins! <laughs> Lemon no, Higgins, oh, yeah! <laughs> That's me before walking in fucking two foot tall with blonde hair. Yeah. <laughs> but the funniest cunt ever. Oh, <laughs> mate. Right, so moving on quickly. Before this descends into madness, we've got a lot of Marvel to get through. February 12th, 2021, we're getting the debut of Shang-Chi. In the Legend of the Ten Rings, this is a new character. Shang Chi is basically like a martial arts expert. Yeah, this is what I'm into. This is what good. I'm this is eighties looking at this like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dissertation's getting a rewrite in 2021. We're getting a rewrite. <laughs> Version two of the dissertation is coming. Thank you, Marvel Studios. Um, this is also big news because we're getting. Uh, uh, have you both seen Iron Man three? Yeah. Nope. Right, so in that movie, it's revealed that the Mandarin is someone who we wouldn't expect it to be, and like the Mandarin, uh, Ben Kingsley's Mandarin, is revealed as a fake. We're actually getting the real Mandarin in this movie, who's like the leader of this um, Asian terrorist mystical group. It's like somewhere between the two, like terrorists and magic, and it's like it's just going to be bananas. This movie, I think. Like, Plus. I'm ten. Out of, I'm the same as you. Ten out of ten. Give, ten. give me, give me a martial arts movie in the MCU I can't wait and if he's going to be an Avenger even better yeah they've just sat down and went do you know what's scary about terrorism magic terrorists <laughs> yes <laughs> magic <laughs> terrorists from Japan magic terrorists from Japan is also a movie I really need to be made like, just <laughs> I need that as the title me too just for my dissertation people <laughs> <laughs> just say start turning these films out so I've got more to write about Fantastic. <laughs> and then we've got, we move on, the next TV show is going to be WandaVision. Um, Scarlet Witch is dealing with grief after Avengers Endgame um, is essentially this movie and apparently she tries to warp reality to try and deal with her grief. <laughs> this sounds batshit. <laughs> um, I am undecided. Has anyone else got very strong thoughts on WandaVision? From what you've just said, it sounds a bit boring. Uh, I don't even really... But apparently it's going to be her trying to bring uh, certain people back to life and to manipulate reality. So she'll start to create like false realities for her herself to live in. It's going to end up with Blade Runner. Oh, don't. Okay. And she just, start, she just starts making like mad projections of like dead loved ones and that so that everyone uh, can live happily ever after. But everyone's uh, going insane because they can't really... See reality anymore, like the like the oh, resurrection whoa. stone in Harry Potter. That's what, what? that sounds like. like the what resurrection stone? Yeah. Like, well, yeah, essentially, yeah. But yeah. it's like that in any Aye. any of these kind of movies. Like, even it's, it's really black mirrory. Actually, it's a pure <laughs> no. Don't uh, say that. <laughs> black mirrory. <laughs> That's my least favorite term. <laughs> You're the one that fucking used it last time. <laughs> I said it as a joke. <laughs> Aye, as a joke. Uh, you're a joke. <laughs> <laughs> What was I saying? Then I had a good point to make. Ah, it's kind of that Black Mirror episode. Like, there's one like that. I'll be right back. I think it is when. Oh uh, yes. And that reminded me of Blade Runner a bit as well. The projections. Mm. Uh, 
it's a real interesting concept when when technology becomes that advanced and uh, in, in the years like twenty forty nine, these proposed futuristic years, mm. where we could potentially you know bring people back. It really messes with your mind because you're like, yeah, you would like it, but at the same time, you would just you would actually just pull your head out over it. Nice. Like, knowing that it's not real. Yeah. Uh, like, um, and that's what? what makes us human, I think, is that there's, there is a, an end point. Like, yeah, we need an a, end. We need an accept, like, an acceptance of death or an acceptance that that's the end is kind of what makes us human. <laughs> well, I think we've got our sound bite for the week. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, if that doesn't get you excited for One Division now, you should have wrote that show, Jesus. <laughs> like, uh, apparently that's, so basically what they've said is One Division is essentially the prequel to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness because apparently she's going to go that batshit crazy and start warping reality that much that Doctor Strange has to basically go like, toe-to-toe with her. Yeah, like call in movie. To like, I'll do it. I'll, and apparently Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is how we're getting all the X-Men and Fantastic Four because she's going to mess up reality that much that effectively she's going to blend like two realities together or something like that is the rumour. Uh, but oh, can, can well. we just can we just appreciate that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is the best uh, film, film title to come out in the last yeah, like, five years? <laughs> Until we get to one later on, which is the best title on the planet. Uh, but AJ, spring twenty twenty one, we get yet another Disney Plus show. It's Loki. Tom Hiddleston's Loki gets his own show. How do you feel about this? Um, I don't know. I've never really like people. Some people are obsessed with Loki, but I'm not really that bothered. I could never really get into Thor and Loki. Do you know all that god stuff? It wasn't really for me. <laughs> all that god stuff. Yeah, I'm just imagining that. No fan of the gods, man. <laughs> like the gods, nah, could take them or leave them. You know what I mean? But it's just like <laughs> it's the whole honor thing. Like I feel like that's a bit overdone. Like the whole fighting for honor, fighting. But I think if he has his own show and we get a bit more backstory, a bit more characterization, apart from like this is my brother and we've fallen out, but sometimes we like each other. <laughs> <laughs> did you not like you him more? Be my brother. Did you not like him more in Ragnarok? I thought he was really funny in Ragnarok. Yeah, I thought he was funny, but again, like it's just one of those things where it's like he's not my favorite. It's just a bit subpar. That's fair. I liked it when he seen the Hulk and Ragnarok again, and he was just like, "I need, I need to get off this planet." He was just like, he's just like so shit scared. He's like, "No, get me out of here." I love that so much. Uh, Jack, any strong feelings on Loki? Ugh, again, I've not even seen uh, enough the Thor stuff. Yeah, all that Thor stuff. Ah, uh, the It's a lack of love for the However, gods, man. I'm, I'm really into Norse mythology, right? I used oh. to, I used to be really into it. Uh, but Thor, for some reason, just never appealed to me. I didn't like the idea of it being in the same universe as Marvel. Thor's uh, too mainstream uh, for you, man. Like, I, he's too, I just... too mainstream a god for Jack Higgins. He no, prepared I... <laughs> <He'd> <laughs> some moon deity from the, 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 the cliffs of Dover. You know what I mean? <laughs> Correct. Um, no, I don't know. I, I just never really took off for me. But I think once you get into that Marvel mindset, the Marvel mindset... Yeah. Then I, th- I suppose my head could be turned. <laughs> the Marvel mindset is definitely a spin-off show we'll be doing one day. That's a great <laughs> the Marvel mindset. I love that. Um, and then we're getting into one that's not canon. Uh, it's also a Disney Plus show, but it's called What If. They're bringing all the cast back, right? And it's like twenty animated episodes, all like twenty minutes long. And it's basically the the show's called What If, and it's like What If Peggy Carter became Captain America, or 
what if uh, Thanos didn't win in, in Infinity War, like stuff like that. And it's basically just like playing out an episode of like, what if this reality happened? Like, how cool does that sound? Just like, what if the Marvel Universe were zombies? You know what I mean? Like, it just sounds mad. No one sounds no one sounds excited about this one. Like, oh. uh, I don't really like the idea of what ifs unless uh, unless it is something like a a loop. If that makes sense, like if someone is is altering it, uh, like we have the idea in One Division or in Doctor Strange, like they're actually manipulating it. I don't like the idea that they're just going to make a new movie of what if, like without really explaining it. But if they've managed to explain it with. Um, well, a needle and thread, like tying it up with uh, Doctor Strange or something like that, then maybe. I think, but, I think but it's just the way you described it there. It's, it me, yeah, it's like... just meant to be fun shorts. You know what I mean? It's meant to be like, like, what if Thor was two foot tall or something like that? It's going to uh, be like stupid. You know what I mean? Right. So. Well, I'm not really a fan of that. I could, I would get it as a, maybe if they made that a cartoon, like separate from it is. the universe or something. Oh, it is. It's, it's animated, just. Yeah, animated. Oh, right, never mind then. I feel cast back and all that, though, the voice in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I done. must have missed the point you said animated there. No, it's change. Ah, okay, well, I'll be bit excited for that. I think AJ's maybe just lost us. She just hates an idea. <laughs> um, but what's going to say about that? Hello? Are you there? Right? Hello? <laughs> Can you, did you hear any of that? No, we heard none of it. Right, well, I, just said, I just said, I think it sounds really good, but I was just thinking, are they taking suggestions or is it just whatever they want to do? Like, what if? It's just what they wanted to Kevin Feige just thought, fuck it. <laughs> but it does sound like an interesting concept, but it sounds... What if it was just like that 101 ways to die out of one? It's just like all these superheroes come up against different enemies and they just die every time. Yeah. But like pure horrendous, pure horrendous shock death. Like, they're like they look like they're winning, but then just like last minute fucking train comes through or something and then like every, t- every time just... You just keep getting wiped out. Jesus, man. Oh, what if? What if a train actually just, or like a plane flew out of the sky when and just hit them right in the head? I don't know. That's like an Edna Mode sketch. Dino guy trapped in an elevator and all that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the real... ATL come... Yeah. No caps. Come to you first with the next one. All right. Fall 2021. Hawkeye. The TV show. Eight episodes. It's going to introduce Kate Bishop. Uh, who takes over the Hawkeye mantle in the Marvel comics um, as his apprentice in this movie. And it's also going to tell us more about his time as an anti-hero, which if you watch Avengers Endgame is a bit more uh, clear, you get a bit more into that. Are you excited about the Hawkeye show? Yeah, yeah, I like Hawkeye. I like his relationship with other characters, but also I think he's quite complex because of the whole anti-hero thing. And I think he's quite an interesting character. So I I would look forward to that just to see a bit more Mm -hmm. of his personality. Um, what haircut should he have? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I want the mohawk, mohawk back. Yeah, I was gonna say a mohawk. <laughs> he should definitely have the mohawk. Yeah. If he doesn't have a mohawk, I'm not for this TV show. I know. Thank yeah. Boys, boys down to that. Um, who should play Kate Bishop? Fan cast it. Oh, I don't know. There's so many. The thing is, there's so many characters in the Marvel Universe. I've run out of actors' names that aren't already in it. Anya Taylor-Joy. Let's go for Anya Taylor-Joy. Okay. <laughs> Anya Taylor-Joy is phenomenal, man. Well, Anya Taylor-Joy is just... Uh, I think it's got a new movie coming out that looks absolutely dug meat. <laughs> dug meat? Yeah, it looks shite. It looks hot. Oh, it looks terrible. What's terrible. it called? 
couldn't tell you. It's like a pure, te- it's like a coming of age teenage comedy. I think, and it's absolutely oh. horrendous, mate. Like the trailer, the trailer made me sick. <laughs> sick. Jeez, oh. Heart, it's heart funny. It's funny just because, like, when I don't know, just the the comedy in it, that, that like teenage American comedy, fucking makes me cringe so much. My God. I'm sitting here in my house cringing. <laughs> Look at me. Imagine making anyway, a man cringe. Looks like a bug. What? I'm Come kidding. on! I just I'm only saying that with Dwayne Jocks. I know how much you love her. I love Anya Taylor Joy, man. I think she's phenomenal. She is the next uh, middle Streep. Well, she is, she is really good for a for a grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> wow. AJ, that's what I need to compete with every week, man. Like, uh, he's just, yeah, that's the Anya Taylor Joy's interview off the table. It's about to reveal that at the end of this, man. And Anya Taylor Joy will be on the show next week. <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly a beacon kind of praise and positivity. Yeah, I mean, followed by Daryl Hannah and uh, <laughs> Daryl Hannah. Ed Downey will be interested. Uh, Anha- is Anna Hathaway coming on? Don't can get I... that. Don't start an Anne Hathaway again, man. <laughs> I can't even do it. Your tweet the other day. Do you know what he tweeted? It was like if Anne Hathaway was my mother. I was like, and, and tweeted like, like, just I can't even say it on air. Like, it's just the most obscene thing in the planet. Let's no. He said I would abort myself so that she could never act again. <laughs> I did, I did, but I also said that she went on to live a happy, happy and healthy life. Which is our screens. I would terminate if I was if I was actually like incubating and uh, gestating within her. I would terminate myself before before birth, just so that she would have a bit of a breakdown. So that she would never act again. <laughs> but she she went on to live a happy and healthy life, and she wasn't my mom. She's not. That's all I was saying. AJ, what response do you I have? Can't to this? stand her. She looks like a mouse. <laughs> have you seen Lemus? <laughs> yeah, of course. She looks like a naked mole rat and that. <laughs> I have no response. Oh, okay. Do you hear the people sing? Uh, Lee Mills is my favourite thing ever <laughs> in the movie. She actually ruins it. Oh, well, I didn't, I, ruins uh, it. I didn't enjoy her performance of I Dreamed the Dream. Apart from that, I thought she was actually okay. <laughs> oh. I will put to you the Princess Diaries 2, ladies and gentlemen. No, anyway, we'll oh, move on. Princess Diaries. Well, we're going to move on. We're getting a third one, apparently. I know, I did hear that. I did hear that. How, how amazing will that be? We'll do that. We'll do a review on that, and Jack can sit at home just absolutely beeling about Anne Halfway, <laughs> just like talking to the walls. Do you know another thing about other children? <laughs> the last one I want, well, in fact, the second last one Thor Love and Thunder is coming out. It's Thor 4. That's very hard for me to say. Thor 4. It's Thor 4. <laughs> if your mum was here, she'd have a field day with me trying to say that, man. Like, yeah. she always had to go to me for my THs and my P's, uh, my F's, sorry. <laughs> Thor 4. It. Thor 4. Okay. <laughs> Once again, Taika Waititi is back. Once again, Chris Hemsworth is back. Uh, Tessa Thompson is back as Valkyrie. Natalie Portman 
is back again as well. Natalie Portman returning to Marvel. She will become a female Thor in this movie. We're also getting our first uh, LGBT uh, superhero in the Marvel Universe. Uh, Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie. I don't think it's a surprise to anyone, uh, to be honest. Uh, she is a lesbian. She is the king of Asgard and will be searching for our queen in this movie. AJ, what's your thoughts on that? Well, <laughs> but will she not be the queen? No, she's king. But like, so, so have they established gender roles for these for these uh, positions? She is king. Women can be king. What you trying to say, Jack? <laughs> She's king. But, but why would she not be a queen, though? Because she's looking for a queen. Because she can be the king if she wants. She wanted to be king. But why would she not just choose to be queen? Because that's not what she shows. She obviously, she obviously sees, she obviously sees king as being higher than queen. Yeah. So why is she chosen to go king? Because she's looking for a queen. <laughs> Somebody fight me! <laughs> <laughs> no. No, surely she she obviously sees the position as king being higher than queen, yeah. which would mean that she's actually accepting that men's role, the men's role. Oh in my this. god! So surely Stop. she would want to be queen and, and still be the leader. She can still be the leader. It doesn't really matter what she calls herself. Surely the the, the like hierarchy is king to queen, but not the Women. Screw the hierarchy. I'd say Vol- I'd go look. I'm I'm fucking Valkyrie. <laughs> King or no? King or no? Queen or no? Over a male position of power and still remaining, keeping it the same name. It's it's saying that she doesn't need any special treatment. That she doesn't have to be the queen. She can be the king. Exactly. I, I... Right, I'll agree. Disagree. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> AJ, I have a prediction. I think Tessa Thompson and Natalie Portman will get together in this movie. I'm thinking that. I love Tessa Thompson. I love Natalie Portman. I can sort of see it. I, I think that's what's going to happen. Natalie Portman will become her queen. Yeah. Uh, Thor's, Thor's just going to be like, uh, what? And he's going to be left out. He's going to become Fat Thor again. <laughs> and uh, that's what's going to happen. You know? but, I think that's really I'm saying. I'm not really that into the God stuff. When I heard about this film, I was buzzing. So I might go back and rewatch. Um. The, the first couple of stories and just get in. No, just watch no, just watch Ragnarok. <laughs> no, you don't you do not need to watch Thor one and two. <laughs> I'll just watch Ragnarok, it's fine. Right, Ragnarok is fine. Right, seriously. And Jack, Dio's Rainbow in the Dark is the anthem for this movie. That's what, what I'm most excited for, to what be honest. A song, Rainbow in the Dark, man. Uh, ah, well, I just love that tune. I can't believe they did that. We have one last Marvel announcement to get to. Um, they did end the panel with saying that's all phase thought for Jesus Christ. That's all phase four. <laughs> Christ. What is that? Um, phase five will include a Guardians of the Galaxy um, 3. It will also include sequels to Captain Marvel, Black Panther. It will include an X-Men movie. It will include a Fantastic Four film. And it will also include something else. Please welcome Mahershala Ali to the stage. <laughs> Mahershala Ali comes on at the stage. He puts on a hat that says Blade on it. Just all the lights go out and we get a Blade logo on the screen. <laughs> AJ, yeah. are you excited about Blade? Yeah, just because um, Hushmah Ashbaz Ali is one of my favourite actors. I'm just excited to see what he does with it. Oh, I can't wait. Jack, Blade, are you a fan of Blade? Uh, I've not seen the original, but would be keen to see it. I would be keen to see both. 
He's a like, vampire slayer, mate, but he's also half vampire. Mental. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> it's absolutely mental. It's all mental. Uh, do you know what else is mental? Zombieland 2. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What do you mean, don't? Why do you don't know? I don't know. You've been very controversial with your views tonight. I just want to say that off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> it, feels, I'm always, no. it feels like you're trying to provoke an argument tonight. <laughs> it's like that. am. Have you been drinking? <laughs> no, what, are you, no. what are you thinking? For just, I, I just like to, to I just like to stub the wee pot, you know. <laughs> um, but I I just think it's not really for me. I've seen the tra- so I've watched the trailer. This is again from no having seen the first movie. Mm-hmm. So I like Emma Stone in most things, mm-hmm. but see when Emma Stone plays Emma Stone, if that makes sense. <laughs> it kind of. Yeah, like I, I just can't. I don't what know, movie can't, have you seen where it. Emma Stone's not? I, I like her and all right. She plays the same character in every movie. I know, I know, but well, I don't really know how to deter de- it, defer, de- de- like the the characters. But basically, in this, I don't know. She just seems a lot more like herself, and like, I can't really take to it. Um, AJ tell me you're excited yeah I'm excited because I love the first film but I think obviously I can understand where Jack's coming from if you hadn't seen the first one and watched the the trailer it does look a bit like boring but I, just as, as a fan um, I'm, I'm excited just Good. The, cast, the cast is I know because obviously Emerson's not the only issue but it's just like as, across the board I think um, it's not marking a film it just seems a bit too much of a parody of everything and it's yeah. no Abigail it's not something Breslin, I usually get into. So. Abigail Breslin needs work, all right? I haven't seen that chick in years, all right? She needs the money, all right? So let's just support the movie and let <laughs> Abigail Breslin's career get back on track. We've not seen right? her since Little Miss Sunshine. We've not seen her since bloody uh, My Sister's Keeper. Oh, yeah, that was that her last one, yeah. That one. I believe that, well, that's the last thing I can remember her in. Jeez, oh. Cameron Diaz is retired since that movie, man, and we're still not seeing Abigail Breslin. <laughs> Cameron Diaz is sitting some porch somewhere selling weed to college kids again, man. But she's like, <laughs> she's just done, absolutely finished. And Abigail Breslin's just went for a wee fucking nap. Woke up like ten years later. So, right, anyway, <laughs> we're going to wrap same. it up. She looks the same. <laughs> she does still look the same. She still looks like a you know, old girl. Oh, maybe she's been frozen. Anyway, this has been our uh, Blade Runner Marvel uh, Zombieland show. Uh, it's been <laughs> fun. It's been it's been a great time. Uh, I want to thank Jack Higgins for his <laughs> very unique takes um, on some of the some of the topics in part two today, um, <laughs> including but not limited to uh, Anne Hathaway and um, <laughs> Zombieland. Um, I want to I want to thank AJ. AJ, it's been great having you back uh, on the show. It's been far too long. Hopefully, it's not as long a gap next time. Mm-hmm. Have you enjoyed it? Yep, I love it every time. I just love I love just talking shit about films. What 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 more to do with your time? 
I don't know. Well, you could also talk straight about football and full-time football, <laughs> uh, which you can listen to on Spotify and iTunes. <laughs> and of course, uh, talk straight about uh, TV uh, on FTTV, which you can also check out on those same platforms. <laughs> How smooth was that, man? That is the smoothest plug we've ever moved into. I, I was skater, skater boy in that plug, man. You'd think it was planned, but it wasn't. Uh, you know, everything is just off the cuff. You know, I, I I don't know. I'm just an absolute fucking genius. Anyway, guys, on that bombshell. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. On that bombshell, guys, go and fuck yourselves and we'll see you next time.